All right, so we are making our way through Unit 5 of God's Economics. Unit 5 is Seek First the Kingdom of God. And we're making our way through. We are up to, uh, in your study guide, Ask, Seek, and Knock. We're talking about seeking. So Matthew 7, starting with verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So it's you've got to participate. You've got to get engaged in this. You can't just laze around and you can't just check a box. Oh, yeah, I prayed the salvation prayer. I'm set for life. You can't just go to church on Sunday morning and maybe a little Bible study on Wednesday night or, you know, oh, you have your home group once a week. That's nice. No, you have to actively ask, seek, and knock. You have to seek the Lord to know him. But he promises, this is what's so beautiful, God never disappoints. He says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. Okay, so that's very interesting. Everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. So some people out there They are unbelievers. They have never really, truly, genuinely in their heart, they have never really asked. If they did ask, they would receive. Now, there are others. They have genuinely asked, and they did genuinely receive, but their hearts were so hard that they did not understand that it was God who was delivering on their asking. All right? Everyone, everyone who asks receives. God is leaving this whole world with no excuse. Everyone who asks genuinely receives. But here we go. And the one who seeks finds. Hmm. Are you that one? Notice how it went from everyone to the one? Yeah, because lots of people are asking God for lots of things. But very few are seeking him. But the one who seeks him will find him. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Are you knocking? Are you knocking at the door of God? Are you saying, God, let me in. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to understand your kingdom. You're more important to me than anything in this world. I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking on the door so aggressively. I, I want to leave this world just so that I can be with you and know you. Are you knocking? Are you aggressively knocking for the Lord, persistently knocking for the Lord? For if you are the one who seeks, you will find. And if you knock persistently with perseverance, it will be open to you. And the scripture goes on, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God is not a tease. If you really seek him, if you really knock for him, if you really ask him, he will pour out good things to those who ask. God, he doesn't play games, and he's not an evil father. There are evil fathers in this world who, when their child asks for something good, that gives them something bad. God is not like that. God is faithful. God is right and just and true. 
But we have to ask. We have to seek Him. And so often in the lives of people that I disciple, now for me, if I'm going to do one-on-one discipleship with people, I have made sure in advance that they do hear the voice of God. That's a sign. The Holy Spirit has come into them. They know how to hear the voice of God. That's just the way that I roll for one-on-one discipleship. But when they encounter situations in their life and they're just kind of rolling along in their conversation telling me what happened, I will say, did you ask? Did you ask God? Well, such and such happened, and I I think it was this. Did you ask God? So we can't function on our presumption. We can't assume that we've got it all figured out. We can't assume that what we've been taught, whether it's in the world or even if it's in the church, we can't assume that we're bringing all this knowledge to the table and then go on in presumption thinking that we've got it figured out what's actually happening. No, in all the situations that you face, we talked about this, you need to ask, you need to pray constantly, put everything before the Lord, ask him seek him, knock for him, no presumption, no assuming that you know, no walking in your own wisdom. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. But the path of life and righteousness is being led by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And then James talks about this too in James chapter 4, starting with the second half of verse uh, 2. He says, you do not have because you do not ask, right? So a lot of you, you're not asking. So you're not asking God. So you don't have what you really want because you never asked in the first place. You need to ask God for what you need, whether that's wisdom, whether that's provision, whether that's something else you need to ask. If you don't have, it's because you don't ask. But he continues, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions, right? So you've got your will. God's got his will. He's not going to answer your requests according to your own will. The, the way that we approach the Father correctly in prayer as new covenant followers of Jesus is with the Gethsemane prayer, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. So what the believers were doing that James is talking to is, first of all, they had fallen into prayerlessness. They were, they'd were they become self-sufficient. There were a lot of wealthy people that James was talking to because he talks about that in prior chapters of the book of James. There were some wealthy people. They had what they needed. They, made, well, they were making all their plans in the world. And he said, yeah, you're fools. You don't know what the day will bring. This life is like a vapor. Okay, and it's passing away. You, you're not even asking God for what you need because you think that you've got it already. Okay, you don't have the things that you desire in the Lord because you do not ask. But then even when you do ask, you're not receiving because you want to spend it on your flesh. You want to spend it on luxury. You want to spend it on your own pleasure. You want to spend it on your own comfort. You don't want to spend it on the kingdom of God. You don't want to spend it on the things that God is passionate about. You want to spend it on the things that you are passionate about. Well, here's the deal. If you can get your passions aligned with God, God's passions, then guess what? God will pour out his provision for you. God will never fail to provide for everything that is his will in your life. And so as you engage with God in seeking him, 
Let God purify your prayer life. Let God purify your requests as you continue to seek Him, right? So if you're not getting something that is your own desire, maybe it's time to ask God if that's even His desire for you. And for me, listen, I'm not perfect. I didn't come into this with any knowledge of God, with any knowledge of the Scripture. I, I just I just came into salvation and sought the Lord with all all my heart, and he has never failed me. But guess what? I started out just as fleshly and carnal and selfish as you might be right now, okay? I had to repent too, and so do you. So, you know, we go into prayer. I got to a point where I figured out, you know what? Everything I'm praying doesn't seem to be God's will. So I think I need to stop praying my own ideas altogether. Just stop. I called it my mid-prayer life crisis, okay? It turned out everything I was praying was wrong. It wasn't God's will for me at all, so I just had to stop. And then I went through a long season of the only thing that I would ask. I wouldn't even go to God to ask for my own stuff. I would just say, God, what do you want me to ask for? What What do you want me to ask for? Because I just seemed to ask for all the wrong things, so what do you want me to ask for? And that was a very effective season, I must say, because God would then tell me. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's what you want me to ask for? Okay, I'll ask for that. And then guess what? God would provide it. Boom. Done. Hey, when you start praying that way, everything starts to change and you start to understand that you're in a real relationship with a real God who is really able to do everything that he says he can do. Some of you, that's what you need to start doing today. You need to scrap your prayer life and everything you've been taught about it because most of you, many of you, especially in the West, you've been taught, will find out what you want and then go find a scripture to match what it is that you want and then just quote scripture, quote scripture, quote scripture to, to match what it is that you're asking God for and then God will surely do it, maybe, maybe not, and then if you're disappointed, we're just going to sweep that under the rug. No, that is not the way that you pray. Scrap all of that, put it to the side, and start putting yourself before the Lord to ask God what he even wants you to ask him for. Once you get that going, you'll get your answer, your prayers answered every time, and all the discouragement and the disillusionment will, will fade out of your life. Unfortunately, there's a great falling away happening in the church today because because people are so disillusioned with the Christianity that's being spread that is not really Christianity at all. They are disappointed. They are disillusioned. They are disenfranchised. They, they, they are completely just—they can't even— understand what is happening to them because the Christianity, the Jesus that they've been told about is not the real Jesus. And so it doesn't work. And then you get people saying things like, yeah, I tried Christianity and it just didn't work for me. Eh, that's not right. Jesus works every time. Jesus never fails. The version of Christianity that you were told about was not real. Somebody lied to you about what Jesus is really all about. They failed you. Okay, and they're probably ignorant and they don't know any better. There are some intentional false teachers out there, but there's just some people who are ignorant and they don't know better because they haven't what? They haven't sought the Lord for themselves. And if you think I'm making that up, look at Jeremiah 23. He says, if the Lord says of himself, if they had stood in my counsel, I would have told them my will. Okay, so I'm not making this up. Anyone who would stand in the counsel of God, God will speak to you. He will show you what his will is and you can walk in it.
Okay, so another way to seek the Lord is to meditate on God's Word. And I can't stress this enough. Yes, you've heard, staying in prayer, calling out to the Lord, asking Him, seeking Him, knocking for Him. All of these things are wonderful, and you can do this in the Word. You can also do that by the Holy Spirit. It's a two-way conversation now. But there is no replacement for the Word of God. If you want to prosper according to to God's ways. You must, you must show yourself approved as one who rightly divides the word of truth. Okay? You can't just use scripture to try to make it say what you want it to say and pluck out all of the parts that give you promises that you really want to hear about yourself. You have to understand the whole counsel of God. And that is part of what these courses were being put together for uh, under the direction of the Lord to give the body of Christ in this hour a bigger picture understanding of what the whole counsel of God says on these various subject matters and how to to actually live it, apply it to your life and live it, because that's what God is all about in our lives. He doesn't want us just having intellectual assent. He wants us to know the whole counsel of God and to function and live and do and move and live and breathe and have our being in him, in him. And we find him, Jesus is the living, breathing word become flesh. We do not discount the word of God just because we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All right, so let's open up. This was another scripture that was given to me very early on in my walk of faith with the Lord, and I didn't just read it like, oh, okay, this is nice. Joshua was told to, you know, meditate on the word. No, there's insight and wisdom in this. Yes, this scripture was originally said to Joshua, but this is the way for anyone. If you want to prosper, then you've got to take this as a command for yourself. God says to Joshua in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do, oh, to do, not just to know all about it and be able to quote a lot about it and have some intellectual knowledge of stuff that you're not doing, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Hallelujah. God is faithful, but you've got to meditate on it, keep it constantly in your mind, in your consciousness, in your heart, and do it. Do it. If you get a revelation of God and his ways, then that needs to make an impact on how you live your life. You need to change. You need to come into alignment with the word of God. Deuteronomy 6 says something similar. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, Moses, he didn't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. In the New Covenant, according to Jeremiah 31, we have the Holy Spirit who writes the commands of God on our heart. So we have that New Covenant benefit that Moses did not. So he's talking to Old Covenant people, and he's saying, you need to write it on your heart. I think in the New Covenant context, yes, we have the Holy Spirit who writes it on our heart. So we have a distinct advantage over everyone else in the entire world because of that. And that's all thanks to Jesus who died on a cross for us. But he says, Moses is continuing, you shall teach them diligently to your children. 
You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So the commands of God should be your constant conversation. The Lord and what he's doing should be your constant conversation. You know, I can tell a lot about where someone is really in their life and their devotion to the Lord by what it is that they are talking about. It doesn't take very long. I can leave one meeting with someone and tell you what their focus is on and whether it's the Lord or not. Seriously, because if someone is truly devoted, if they are sold out wholly, their whole heart for the Lord, then all they talk about is the Lord. All they talk about is the Word of God. All they talk about is God told me this, God told me that, God showed me this, God showed me that, this is what the Lord revealed to me. You can't stop them talking about it. That's a person that is pleasing to God. That's a person who really loves the Lord their God with all their heart. Okay, And it's no different for us just because we're in the new covenant. We need to be meditating and pondering and applying the word of God all the time, constantly. When you get up, when you lie down, when you're walking on the way, when you're sitting in your house, when you're talking to your children, constantly. It needs to be the all-consuming passion of your life. But those are some Old Covenant, Old Testament examples. Let's look at what the New Testament has to say about it. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture, all scripture is God breathed, is breathed. So this translation says, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. You need to be taught the ways of God. Read the scripture. For reproof, you need to be told what the ways of God are and that, that your what your own ways are wrong. Read the scripture. For correction, you need to be brought into alignment with the ways of God so that God can prosper you. Read the scripture. For training in righteousness. Well, what, what is the name of this uh, chapter? It's seek first the kingdom of God. But the second part of that is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we're going to talk about that more a little later in this unit. But how you get trained in righteousness, read the scripture. So that the man of God may be complete, that means mature, that you can grow to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is to be like Jesus, to do things the way that Jesus does things, so that you may be complete and equipped for every good work. Okay, how do you get all of those benefits? The scripture. Read the scripture. Read the word of God. And Paul says something a little bit different in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatever was written in the former days, and he's talking about, guess what? The scripture, the old covenant. He's talking about what we know of as the old covenant, or we can also call it the Hebrew Bible, or if you are messianic, you would call it the Tanakh, okay? So whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, our instruction. You want to know how to do things God's way? Like I said before, you know, it's not just, oh, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking. Look at me seeking. I've got my hands up in the air and I've got some, you know, worship song on. Look at me seeking. No. Get in the word of God, not for your own selfish seeking, but to know God, to be instructed in the ways of God, in the knowledge of God, in the understanding of God. 
What is the point of this? Paul continues that through endurance, endurance, and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Okay? He doesn't say that through poof, the magic, woo, yay, look, so that you can have everything you want all the time because that's what God wants to do in your life because you're so great. No, you have to endure. Those who endure to the end will be saved. The scripture is written for our instruction. Why? Because there are a lot of people who did a lot of things right, but there are even more people who did a lot of things wrong. Which one are you going to be? Are you going to be the ones that fall away because you do the same mistakes that you could have learned about what other people did by reading the scripture? No. Why don't you read the scripture so that as you go through life, the Holy Spirit can be like, hey, remember that king who made that mistake? You're about to make that mistake. Don't do it that way. This is the way God wants you to go. So that through the Holy Spirit, you can have endurance to obey the word of God because the word of God has shown you what is right and shown you what is not pleasing to God. The encouragement of the scriptures, that there is eternal hope, that there is everlasting life with God in the world to come, that this world is not our home, that this world is not worthy of us if we are living for the kingdom of God and the city whose builder and maker is God. This gives us hope to not live for ourselves, to not live for this world, but to live for God. We get all of that out of reading the scripture. It's another way, powerful way, very important, significant way that we need to seek God.